Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hey, welcome to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King, and I'm your host today to take your questions and your prayer requests. I hope you are surviving Snowpocalypse 2021. Um, I know for me, it took me four hours to uh, shovel my driveway and sidewalks, so that was that was a real special treat. That was one of those moments where I wished I had a, bl- a snowblower. <laughs> uh, so I hope you're doing well. Hope things are going well for you and uh, that you're uh, you're getting all shoveled out. Uh, I want to welcome all of our listeners on Grace FM up and down the front range. It's truly a privilege to be with you today. I also want to welcome all of our listeners on the East Coast on Hope, F- Hope FM excuse me, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, also Truth FM, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Hey, if you are listening to this broadcast on the East Coast, then remember that you're hearing it on a one-week delay. Uh, so that means that there's still somebody in studio to take your calls and uh, and uh, pray with you, but uh, you're, you may or may not be speaking to the person who is on the radio at the moment uh, that you're listening to it. Hey, I also want to welcome all of our listeners online through the Grace FM app and uh, through the website. Uh, welcome. We would love to hear from you no matter where you're at, across the country and around the world, uh, so you can text and call in as well. Uh, Just a little introduction. My name is Cody King, and I am the lead and founding pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, We are located in the northeast metro Denver area uh, in uh, Commerce City, Henderson area. Um, And uh, we're, we're excited to be able to be here. My wife my four daughters and I moved here to uh, Colorado from Southern California in 2014 um, in order to uh, plant a church. And the, by God's grace, Jesus has planted a church that we're able to serve, uh, Redemption Calvary. We're currently holding Sunday services uh, at Henderson Community Church, which is on 120th Avenue, about a quarter mile east of Highway 85. Uh, You can search for Redemption Calvary on Google Maps or Waze Maps or whatever um, and uh, and find us there. um, And we'd love to have you. Uh, We got one Sunday morning service that we're we're having right now in person at 1030 in the morning. And I would love to have you join us. Uh, We're currently studying through the book of 1 Samuel. And I got to tell you, it has been a great study. I've really been enjoying our time in 1 Samuel. If you'd like directions, uh, if you want to listen to some sermons, get some more information about our church, you can check out our website. It's redemptioncalvary.org. That's redemptioncalvary.org. Also, you can listen to our radio program called Redemption Radio right right here on Grace FM weeknights at 8 p.m., also Sunday mornings at 9.30 in the morning. On our radio program, we're currently going through the Book of Romans, and that was that was an epic study as well. You can also connect with us on our YouTube channel or uh, listen on our podcast. Just search for Redemption Calvary and look for the red R square, 
and that'll get you connected. Hey, did you know that Easter Sunday is coming up on April 4th? And that is just three Sundays away. Wow. How insane is that? Uh, I, I know that there are lots of uh, churches out there that are having services, but I would just want to take a minute to give you an invitation. If you haven't been invited to Easter service, then this is your invitation personally from me. I'd love to have you join us at Redemption Calvary. We're going to have one just family service. Uh, all the kids will be with us. It's going to be a glorious, epic time uh, at 1030 in the morning. Check out redemptioncalvary.org to grab some directions and uh, and get connected that way. Hey, it's a beautiful day to talk about Jesus and the Bible. Give me a call at 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Just a quick thought about those uh, those numbers. If you haven't done this already, and maybe you're a regular listener, it would it would be good for you to maybe just store those numbers. If I mean, if you're not driving, don't do this if you're driving, right? Put your phone down. But if you are somewhere stationary or whatever, then uh, take a minute to just put those numbers into your phone as a contact. And that way you're not trying to remember or wait for whoever's hosting to repeat the number or whatever. You've just got it uh, established for you. I know that's what I have in my phone. I've got one for the phone and then I got one for the text message so that way I can quickly uh, access that. So here's the numbers again. Uh, Give me a call, 303-690-3000 or send a text at 720-336-0897. Seven. Uh, hey, at, uh, at Redemption Calvary, like I said, we are traveling through the book of First Samuel. And uh, recently, we studied through First Samuel chapter 11. And uh, at first glance, when you read through chapter 11, it's, it's one of those chapters where you're like, what? What is this? I mean, why, why exactly is this in the Bible? I mean, you read about it and Essentially, there's uh, a, a city in um, Israel that is being attacked by an enemy, and Saul rescues them. And, and that's really the entire plot line of the entire chapter. And the, in truth, what's being, what's being played out for us in 1 Samuel 11 is a lot more than just um, you know some bad guys and Saul the first king of Israel, rescuing them. Let me try to set the stage for you for a minute. Israel in the Old Testament actually provides an illustration for New Testament Christianity. So when we're thinking about, you know, reading through the Old Testament, yes, these are real people. There are real stories about them. And I actually hate the word story because it sort of conjures up the thought of, you know, fairy tales and Pinocchio or whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a narrative, if you want to say that. It's a real narrative story about real people in a real place. Uh, but they are also, the Old Testament is also an example of more than that. It's not just stuff that you see in the Old Testament about those old dead guys in some far off land. It's more than that. So let me try to paint a picture for you of this pretty quickly. It's one, here's the first thought. Israel in Egypt, when Israel was uh, in Egypt in the book of Exodus, uh, they were enslaved. They were, uh, they were captured by Pharaoh uh, and enslaved to, uh, to the people of Egypt. And essentially what that represents is an unsaved person. 
that you're enslaved when you're not saved, when you have not found faith in Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, your God, then you are the slave of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so these are these uh, these things that are, you know, really controlling you. And so what happens? Well, Pharaoh represents Satan and Egypt represents the, the world and, and the flesh and you're, you're enslaved to that. Well, then what happens through the book of Exodus is that the, the people of Israel are delivered from Egypt. And how are they delivered from, the, from Egypt? Through faith in the blood of the lamb. It was Passover that happened, and that's how the people were saved. And so too it is for you and me, that we are saved by the blood of Jesus. Now, when they leave Egypt, they go to the Red Sea, and they cross the Red Sea. And, and as they do so, this, is, this represents the idea for us in the New Testament of water baptism, that I'm all in. You know, when, when Israel went into the Red Sea and crossed over to the other side and the waters closed back over them, uh, there was no going back. They were absolutely stuck on the other side of the Red Sea. And it's just like, you know, our water baptism. When we get baptized, it represents being all in with Jesus. I'm not going back and forth. I am all in with him. But then what happened is God led them into the desert. There was a dry season that they went through. And this dry season for Israel should have lasted about 11 days. That's how long it should have taken them to go from Egypt all the way to the Canaan, to the promise, to the promised land. And yet it didn't last 11 days. It lasted 40 years. You see, the dry seasons that you and I experience in our life, many times the reason that they're longer than they should be is because of our obedience. And that's what it was for, for Israel. They were disobedient to trust the Lord and their dry season lasted longer. And then uh, the next step that we come to is the Jordan River crossing in Joshua. And this represents a different baptism. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where they go into the promised land. They go into all that the Lord has for them, having victory and being in the place that God has promised for them. But when they go into the land and they have to actually take the land, you see, crossing the Jordan River doesn't represent the idea of going to heaven. It represents stepping into the fullness of the life that God has for you, this, this side of heaven. There's still battles. There's still strongholds of the enemy to be taken. There's still land to be taken. And so that whole backdrop has to be grasped before we can understand what's happening in 1 Samuel 11. We'll see if I can pick up more of that uh, later on in the, in the radio show. But we've got a couple of callers, and so I don't want to leave them on hold for too long. Let's go to line one and Sarah in Kingsville, Maryland. Uh, Sarah, you're on Calvary Live. Okay, hi. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah. <laughs> What was your I don't question? Know what I'm, I don't know. <laughs> so um, I'm usually not on the radio. Uh, so my question is, um, I've been jumping from church to church with okay. my family, and I don't know if it's a trust thing with me and God or if it's me just always wanting to protect myself from false things. I know that's part of it, but sometimes I can get maybe a little too um, extreme about it. Um, but yeah, for five years since I've been married with my husband, I, we've just been like jumping from church to church. And I'm always saying like, oh, I don't want to go there because this is happening. Or I don't want to go there because of how they're like dealing with the money. Or I don't want to go there because of like, maybe that's too charismatic. Or is that a false doctrine? Or they let their kids like watch these bad television shows. And I don't want that for my children. So it's like this protection thing, this spiritual protection thing for me and my children. And then 
maybe it's a trust thing on my end with God, but I'm just trying to like discern what's happening because it's just been, it's like the dry period you were just talking about. It's like this dry period where I have not, and we have not found a church for five years and it's, it's like wearing me out now. Mm. And, um, but I'm also getting like, I'm like afraid of making the wrong decision too, like making the wrong decision with a church. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Sarah, how long have you been a, uh, a follower of Jesus? How long have you been a Christian? Um, I had a very genuine baptism when I was 11. Um, okay. like no, like no parent pushed me into it. I just like really wanted to, to like follow Jesus. That's awesome. And then, yeah. And then I like let it, like I went astray as like a teenager, um, due to like a bad childhood and stuff and sin. Um, and then as an adult, I started seeking God in like different religions and stuff. And then I, I went to Africa and they helped me realize like, Oh, Jesus Christ is like the King. So, um, now I'm back and what you were saying just a minute ago before I came on about like Egypt and stuff, I used to go to a messianic church and it was really lining up with some of the stuff that, that they talked about too. So that was like sure. really amazing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my story. Um, yeah. What's the, that I, that what's some of the history of churches that you've been a part of? What, what are some of the types of churches that, or what's maybe like the, uh, the longest church that you've been uh, a part of? Um, that's a great question because it hasn't been long. Um, I was going to a messianic church kind of off and on for like maybe five, six months. Um, and then we tried Presbyterian, um, Baptist, Catholic, um, the messianic, like I said, uh, what else? The most current was the Eastern Orthodox Christian church, which I started falling in love with because you have to like become a catechumen. And that was kind of helpful for me because you're like, you kind of like, get married in a sense so you can't just like run away when something like goes wrong um but then they were like they, they have a tradition that where they kiss and like bow to icons and i'm kind of like okay that looks a little bit like idolatry so i don't want to be involved in that yep, absolutely <laughs> yeah so that's kind of where i'm at like yeah. that's the last church that, and then and then we just tried this new church um up the street and like i really liked it the first sunday that we went um but i'm also kind of like a little skeptical about it just because it's it's like um, very like charismatic, and okay. I know that that can also be like kind of dark sometimes. Like there's a dark side to that, so I'm like I just don't want to be a part of that. Like yeah. I just I just want the truth, and it's really hard to find in this world because the sure. evil one is just like trying to have his way, and, and even in church, and you see it, and even in my life, and I see it. So yeah. Yeah, and it's it makes it difficult to try to figure out where to go because you know you you when you view church the right way, it's a lot more than a place you go to. It's a people that you're a part of, you know, and it, yeah. it has to be that. If it's not that, then you're you're literally just going through the motions. And so I really, I feel for you in this, and I understand the caution and um, even skepticism. I think it's appropriate. Um, and so I, I think what I would say is um, there, there's, there's sort of two sides to this. One is, and I think this is what you're sensing, that there's, there's more than just caution happening with you, that there's something going on where you're hesitant to be committed to a, a certain body. Um, yeah. And so uh, I, I w here's what I would say to that. One, one thought I would give you is um, I think that you have a basic understanding of a number of different types of churches. And I don't want to say necessarily bad things about any of them. Uh, here's, yeah. here's what I would, I would say. The thing that matters the most is the type of leader. You know, the denomination, uh, I've seen great churches in certain denominations, and I've seen really terrible churches in certain denominations. Um, and, and so it really doesn't necessarily matter 
the denomination as much as it matters the type of leader that is that is there uh, leading the church. Um, so that, that would be really on the top of the list as far as that goes. And second to that, what I would say is that, um, you know, the with the leadership, a devotion to God's word um, is paramount. Uh, there's there's nothing more important than that. Um, the, right now, there are there's sort of two extremes that are taking place within um, American Christianity. One is where people are, uh, they're really just um, gravitating toward something that has more to do with entertainment than it has to do with worshiping Jesus. Um, yeah. It's 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 lights in a big show. Now, yeah. I'm not against lights. I'm not against technology. I'm, you know, like if we can use it to praise Jesus, then I'm fine with it. But it's got to be used to worship Jesus not mm -hmm. so we can have a cool show. Um, and so really, you know, the, typically with, with these types of churches, what you'll get is a nice talk about some, um, some, you know, here's five points on how to be a better person. Okay. Here's what I'll say. That might be true and it might be helpful, um, but it's not going to feed your soul because yeah. you don't need my opinions. You need God's word. And so if that church isn't opening God's word, reading God's word and explaining God's word, then I would say they are, while they may have a bunch of reasons why they've chosen that route, I would say that they're not being faithful to the purpose of the church. Um, yeah. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is what you described with uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church, where yeah, there's some, you know, there's some Bible and stuff, but there's a lot of idolatry that comes along with it. You know, they really like the robes and the stained glass and going through the motions and a lot of religious stuff. And there's a big swing toward that. And the reason there's a big swing toward that is because people feel like there's uh, it's, it's a reaction to the first one. It's a, it's an overreaction of swinging the pendulum saying, it's not right for us to make this a show. Let's make it all about tradition. And that's not right wow. either. God's not interested in traditions. He's interested in your heart. Um, and so I think, you know, really the biggest thing for you to consider is uh, a church that's going to be uh, given over to the scriptures and that is going to lovingly serve your family. Now, uh, you know, what, what does that look like? I, I don't know. I, I'm part of a Calvary Chapel uh, family of churches and typically Calvary Chapel churches sort of try to strike a balance between the idea of a, a Pentecostal spirit filled church and a Baptist devotion to the scriptures. So it's kind of balanced. Yeah. Yeah. So, you okay. know, really, I think the big thing okay. is um, I would say mm -hmm. look for a church that's like that and give it some time, you know, be, okay. a, be a part of it. And, and, you yeah. know, the Lord will move you when it's time or if something's going on, but I think that, like you're saying, uh, being outside of a family of believers, it, man, it has a, it wears on you. It, it takes a toll on your soul, and you need the people of God. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, can I pray for you, Sarah? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, let me pray for you. Father, I just want to pray for Sarah and her family as they're trying to figure out what to do and how to make the right decision. And I sense a lot of uh, stress within her to try to pick the right church, the perfect church. And Father, we just, uh, we just pray that you would lead and direct her path. Um, God, there really isn't a perfect church because it's made up of people. 
Um, but I pray that you would lead her to a good, solid, Bible-believing church that will serve her and her family well, and that she would be able to um, experience the filling of your spirit to be used for your glory uh, and to, to serve others as well. So, Lord, we commit this to you, knowing that you're, you're able and that you are good and you're God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Sarah. Thanks for calling in today. I really appreciate it. Okay. Have a great night. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name's Cody King. I'm here in studio taking your calls and answering your prayer requests. I'd love to hear from you today. You can give me a call at 303-690-3000 or send in text messages at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line two and Judah in Brighton. Judah, you're on Calvary Live. Judah, are you there? I think we may have dropped judah hey judah if you're listening give a call back we'd love to be able to connect with you and uh see what what the lord's doing in your life hey uh i want to uh go to the text message line here um oh it's someone is uh texting in to the text line uh, asking pastor ed to bring his book to calvary chapel philadelphia so hey pastor ed if you're listening uh they want you to come to calvary philly and uh, and promote your book. So if you haven't, if you don't know, Pastor Ed has uh, recently written uh, another book. Man, I, I think I have it on my nightstand. I can't remember what the title of it is, but uh, tremendous, tremendous author. I love Pastor Ed and uh, love the ministry that the Lord has has given him. So uh, I'll go back to some of the thoughts we were talking about in First uh, Samuel chapter eleven. Uh, and sort of paint some some more of that picture. You know, we have, uh, just to kind of remind us, the Old Testament is actually more than just stories about old dead people. It's actually an illustration of New Testament Christianity. And so you have all of the things about Israel going from Egypt all the way into the promised land and taking the land. And they represent stuff about our lives that's actually more about our lives in Christ than it is about just stories about what they went through. Now, the story that we find ourselves looking at in 1 Samuel 11 is actually about a bigger story. It's not really about Saul and Jabesh and their enemy. It's about Jesus and you and your enemy. Here's how it happens. In chapter 10, Saul is anointed and appointed as the king of Israel, but the nation of Israel is divided about this. That they just, you know, they really need to be able to uh, to come behind Saul. And so, you know, that really hasn't happened. And so God, Saul essentially goes back to his hometown. And then through chapter 11, God establishes Saul as the king of Israel. Here, check it out what it says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition I will make a covenant with you, that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days, that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel, and then if there's no one to save us, we'll come out to you. Man, what a crazy situation, Right? Can you imagine being in this situation where there's an enemy that's pressing the attack around you? You have no chance of delivering yourself. 
And so, you know, you say, hey, uh, let's let's make a treaty. And and the enemy says, you know what? I'll make a treaty with you. Let me poke out your eyes. Man, that's that's just crazy. And so here's where they're at. You know, uh, Saul and the nation of Israel has have just experienced this uh, God moving, miraculous thing in order to establish, uh, select and empower and, and reveal Saul as the king. And here's the truth. Many times, mountaintop moments invite the enemy's attack. Or here's another way you could say it. A powerful move of God is often followed by a powerful attack from the enemy. Have you experienced that to be true in your life? Have you experienced where somehow, you know, God moves in this supernatural way in your life? And and then right after that, immediately following that, there is some sort of chaos that is unleashed. There is some sort of insanity that comes into your life. There is some sort of attack that is more than just coincidence. It's it's just derailing things in your life or, or things come in to just steal your attention and your affection away. Or you're tempted to say, you know what? That looked like a miracle and I prayed that God would take care of it. But you know what? It was just coincidence. It just sort of happened to come together. Well, through through 1 Samuel 11, God uses the enemy's attack as an opportunity for his people to advance and his kingdom to be established through adversity. That what was intended for evil is actually used for good by God's power. So really the first three verses that we read there is that there's a real enemy that's got a real threat. Some time passes, a specific enemy with a specific leader shows up to attack an Israeli city. That the, It's the Ammonites, and they're being led by a guy named Nahash. Now, the Ammonites come from Genesis chapter 19, and uh, really where, where this is, is, you know, where these people, this people group comes from, the Ammonites, is after Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, Lot's two daughters get him drunk in order to get pregnant by him. Now, that's... That's a whole bag of crazy on its own. I mean, this is Jerry Springer stuff way before there ever was Jerry Springer. And so Ammon is actually the son of Lot's uh, younger daughter. Uh, he, he comes from the son of Lot's younger daughter, and he represents the you know a few things. The work of the flesh, right? This is the sinful nature. This is a this is not the will of God. This is some sort of crazy idea uh, that comes into the mind of Lot's daughter, that her sinful nature. It represents great depravity, extreme depravity. And it also represents faithlessness because Lot's daughter did this on the premise that there were no people left on the planet. And that just wasn't true. She just didn't trust the Lord. Now, here's something that's interesting. Not only do the Ammonites represent the flesh and depravity and faithlessness, but the guy that's leading them, his name is Nahash. And you know what Nahash means? It literally means snake or serpent. I'll give you two guesses as to who you think that is. Yeah, yeah, that's Satan. You know, the Bible clearly describes, the devil describes Satan as uh, the snake or the serpent. And so think of it like this. The flesh is being led by the devil to assault God's people. What a crazy moment. Have you ever experienced that? I, I guarantee if you're a Christian, you've absolutely experienced that. Now, here's one last thought before we go to break. Jabesh Gilead is the city that's being attacked, and it's uh, it's located in central Israel, but it's actually on the east side of the Jordan River. In Joshua, two and a half tribes decided to settle outside of the promised land on the east side of the Jordan River. And this is one of the cities 
of that uh, settling, that they didn't, they didn't want to cross the Jordan River. They didn't want to go into all that God had for them, so they settled. And instead of going into all that God had, they stopped short. You see, when you refuse to step into all that the Lord has for you by faith, you make yourself a target of the flesh and a target of the devil. Not only is there an attack, but they are the ones who are, uh, who are attacked by this. And Jabesh, what do they do? They try to make a treaty. You see, you can't make peace with the flesh and the devil. You're going to be tempted to think that if you just give a little, then then they'll leave you alone. You know, if I just give in a little to my flesh, then it'll leave me alone. If I just give in a little bit to the, to the attack of the devil, then he'll leave me alone. But here's the truth. They will never stop. Here's what Romans 8, 12 through 13 says. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to deeds the, to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So don't be like Jabesh Gilead. Don't make a treaty. Don't settle on the wrong side of the Jordan, but go into all that the Lord has for you. Hey, we're going to take a break. I'll catch you on the other side. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Welcome to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King, and I am your host today to take your questions and answer your prayer requests. I just want to take a minute to welcome all of our listeners on Grace FM up and down the front range. It's truly a privilege to be able to talk with you today. Also, I want to welcome all of our listeners on the East Coast, Hope FM and Truth FM. Uh, Hey, if you're listening on the East Coast, then I just want to remind you that you're listening to this broadcast on a one-week delay. But hey, we're still here to take your calls, so please call in. We'd love to be able to hear from you. Uh, As well, I want to welcome all of our listeners online. So if you're listening online, uh, then welcome. Also, you can uh, listen through the Grace FM app. Hey, welcome. We'd love to hear from you no matter where you're at across the country and around the world. So you can text in and call in too. Uh, just uh, by way of reminder, my name's Cody King. I'm the lead and founding pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, my wife and my four daughters and I moved to the Denver area uh, in uh, 2014 to plant uh, Redemption Calvary. Um, and uh, we did, uh, we, we opened our house and had a home Bible study. And uh, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I remember sitting in my living room uh, as we were preparing to to have a Bible study, and uh, I was thinking, who in their right mind is going to come to this? I mean, we moved a thousand miles uh, to a community where we didn't know anybody, and you know, just decided that this is what the Lord was calling us to do. And um, man, it was it was quite a strange experience. And and here's something that's interesting: every single person I invited to come to this Bible study told me no. <laughs> or or they would say yes or something, you know, nice and then never show up. Um I it's it's a kind of a funny thing, but I I have personally not really invited very many people to the church and had them them show up, but the Lord has brought people together. And so here's the big thing that I just, you know, I want to encourage you in uh is this thought. And maybe 
Maybe you're a pastor or you have a, a pastor that is in the middle of planting a church or you're trying to replant a church and things are hard and stuff looks crazy and weird. Um, here's what I know. Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And uh, that truth, that reality has never hit me so hard as it did when I was uh, planting this church. Because truly, the, the church is a miracle. It's, it's a work that Jesus performs. I, I didn't plant this church. Jesus did. And he asked me to join him in it. Um, and so when I uh, release the reins and the control over to Jesus and allow him to lead and I don't get in his way, things go so much better. Uh, but it's when my pride, my flesh, my desires start to drive things, that's when we have issues. And so here we are. It's been seven years. We did one year as a home Bible study, uh, and then we decided that we would take a step of faith and and we would lease a small office space and uh, uh, you know to have a public space because you know you, you gotta you gotta be a little bit crazy to show up at somebody's house when you don't know who they are you know uh, and so making it in a public spot um, really just we we ha- we thought we hoped we dreamed we believed we we be- we thought that the Lord was leading us to do this we thought it would open up the opportunity if it was in a public space for more people to show up. And sure enough, that's what the Lord did. He started to bring more people. And so uh, we have launched since then. Uh, it's now been uh, six years uh, since that launch day. And and uh, God has been faithful to add to his church and to raise up such amazing godly people uh, to, to surround the people of Redemption Calvary, to serve them well. And uh, it's an exciting time to be a part of it. So, hey, we're holding Sunday services at Redemption Calvary uh, on 120th Avenue, about a quarter mile east of Highway 85. If you search for Redemption Calvary on Google Maps or Waze, uh, then you'll be able to find us there. Uh, We have one Sunday morning service at 1030 in the morning, and we would love to have you join us. Uh, We're currently studying through the book of 1 Samuel. And uh, we're, we're excited to be able to do so. If you want directions, you want to listen to some sermons, you want to check out some more information, uh, check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org. Uh, you can also check out our radio program. It is Redemption Radio. It airs right here on Grace FM weeknights at 8 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 in the morning. And uh, we're currently on the, in the radio studying through the book of Romans. You can also connect with us through our YouTube channel and our podcast. Just search for Redemption Calvary. Hey, one other quick thing. Easter Sunday is coming up April 4th, and that's only three weeks away. Uh, so I don't know who you've decided uh, to bring with you to, to Easter service, but I just want to encourage you with this thought. Um, you know, there's sort of a joke within Christianity about the CEOs, you know, the Christmas and Easter onlys. Um, I, I get that it's a joke or whatever, but I just want to encourage you, don't make a joke about that. You know why? I was part of that group. I was one of those people. That's how my family operated. We just kind of went to church on Christmas and Easter, and that was kind of our thing. And eventually the Lord got a hold of me and brought me to himself. And so, you know, uh, maybe that's where you're at. You just kind of pop in and on Christmas and Easter. Hey, I just wanted you to know you are welcome. You're welcome to come and and to be a part of what we what we have going on on Easter Sunday. We'd love to have you join us. We got one family service that we're going to have at 1030 in the morning. Uh, And you can check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org, for more information about that, uh, to get some information, directions, all of those kinds of things. Uh, And and for those of you who are maybe regular attenders uh, of church, 
Um, take some of those flyers that your church has made. Take some. Take that that uh, social media post that your church has put together and invite people to come with you. Bring them to uh, to church with you. Have the ministry of Andrew, where Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, and the people who were the guys who were coming and said, "Hey, we wish to see Jesus." Andrew brought them to Jesus. Have the ministry of Andrew bringing people. Uh, to Jesus. Hey, it's a beautiful day to talk about Jesus and to talk about the Bible. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. You can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Hey, just uh, uh, continuing on with our thoughts as I was, you know, kind of breaking down some stuff in 1 Samuel chapter 11, uh, we ended with the idea out of Romans chapter 8, uh, on the other side of the break, uh, the, the idea from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 13, that if you try to satisfy the desires of the flesh, your, your, your flesh not meaning your skin and bones, but that thing inside you that loves what's evil, that's that thing. You know, if you try to do what your sinful nature urges you to do and you live by what it dictates to you, then you're going to die. That's what the Bible says. But if instead through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And so really that's what's taking place here in 1 Samuel 11. The, the people of Jabesh Gilead are trying to make a treaty with Nahash, who is representing uh, Satan. And he's leading the people of Ammon, who represent the flesh, and attacking God's people. And if you try to make a treaty with the flesh, you try to make a treaty with the devil, uh, it's, it's not going to work out well. They're not going to stop. They're always going to be coming for more. And so Nahash, he has these tactics in terms of surrender that are brutal, and they give us insight to the spiritual attack that we will endure from the enemy of our souls. You see, the first thing that happens is Nahash comes to control by fear, to encamp around the people of God. And that's what the enemy is going to do with you. He's going to try to control your decision-making, control your movement, control the things that you do, through fear. And secondly, that the enemy is going to look to blind you. That was the whole thing that happens in verse two, that he's going to put out the eyes of the people of, uh, of Jabesh, the, the right eye. He's going to try to blind you. And if he can't blind you, then he'll only take one eye. He'll partially blind you. And what does this do? Well, some, uh, some people would say that the reason they would take out the right eye is because this would render all of the men ineffective in a fight that, you know, in this time they would fight with uh, swords and shields. And so, you know, you have a shield, you would hold the shield in your left hand. And when you would raise up the shield, it would cover your left eye and you're, you would be partially blind by covering your left eye. Well, if you don't have a right eye, then you're totally blind and you are ineffective in a fight or unable to fight. And then fourthly, not only controlling by fear, blind you, uh, making you unable to fight, but the fourth tactic of the enemy is humiliation. That's what it says at the end of verse two. He says, you know, I want to put out all of your right eyes. And then at the end it says, and bring reproach on all Israel. You see, this this was more than just, you know, um, uh, putting out their eyes. It was to humble, humiliate them. Uh, when they give in. And isn't that what happens? When you give in to the flesh, when you give in to the temptation of Satan, what happens is you're humiliated. You're just, you're left uh, in the dust of humiliation. Now, that idea of on all Israel is to say that wasn't this wasn't just about Jabesh, but this was about the entire 
nation. This was the first step in taking over everything. Now, in verse three, Jabesh asks for seven days to see if anybody's gonna come help, and Nahash agrees. It's kind of like, why in the world would Nahash agree to this? But I think he does so uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, he thinks no one's gonna come. Sure, go ahead, ask for help, but all the people in your nation, they know my reputation. They know how brutal I am. No one's gonna come help you. They don't wanna have their eyes put out as well. And secondly, here's the other half of the thought. If they did come, it wouldn't even matter. You see, at, at this time, Israel wasn't known as a, a nation of warriors. They were just farmers. And so, you know, this, this marauding group of Ammonites uh, felt like they had the upper hand no matter what took place. And so uh, Jabesh asked for this this time, and Nahash agrees in his pride. Now, Jabesh is in an impossible and hopeless situation, and they recognize they cannot deliver themselves, that they need someone to save them. And I would say that this is a vitally important place to be. And it's a place that I hope that you are in. And I would even say this, the difficult or even impossible situation that you may find yourself in right now is exactly for this purpose, to get you to the end of yourself, to recognize that you need someone to save you. You see, if you will not recognize that you're doomed, then you will never recognize that you need a savior. If you don't understand that your sin demands God's judgment and the wrath of God, then you'll never see the value of Jesus as your savior. That's one of the things that I think is a terrible um miscommunication of the gospel. So many people preach the gospel in sort of a false half truth kind of a way. Hey, just come to Jesus and he's going to fix everything. That's just not true. Yes, Jesus is going to fix everything in your relationship with God. Yes, Jesus is the only way to be righteous, to be holy, to be perfect. But when you place your faith in Jesus, that doesn't mean life is going to be puppy dogs and rainbows. That's a lie. That is a false gospel that people are selling to manipulate you to get your money. That's, that's the only reason they tell you that. They want to build their own platform. They want to build their own kingdom. They want to take your money. And so they sell you a false narrative. And, then, and, and so then people believe in this and they're led astray. But that's, there's no salvation in that. You see, Jesus is um, his salvation that he provides. The thing that he saves you from. Yeah, he saves you from the world. Yeah, he saves you from your flesh. And yes, he saves you from the devil, but there's something even more important that Jesus saves you from. Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. The fact that he went to a Roman cross and he bled and he died. He was buried in a tomb and rose on his own accord of his own power after three days. That was all done for the singular purpose of saving you from God. Now that, that may sound weird to you. Maybe you're thinking, what are you talking about? Here's the truth. The, the, the thing that you and I deserve is God's righteous wrath, his judgment against our sin. And so when Jesus dies, he, he bleeds and dies, he's saving us from that, from the penalty of our sin that we rightly deserve. How? Well, Jesus took the penalty. He took it on our behalf. And so 
You know, as we, as we see this reality, as we understand how depraved, how sinful, how hopeless we are, then we see the need for a Savior. You see, if you think that you're going to come to Jesus with all of your faults and failures and say, you've got to just receive me as I am, uh, then you have a false view of who Jesus is. Yes, Jesus is good enough to take you just as you are. He is loving and kind and, and, and will just, he'll receive you just as you are, but he will not leave you that way. You see, he's, he's not going to accept and receive your sinfulness. He's going to change you. He's going to convict you of that sinfulness. And so, no, you can't bring all your sinfulness into uh, a supposed so-called Christianity and live any way you choose. That's just not the way it works. Jesus changes you. He, he takes those sinful things and he removes them and he replaces them with godly things. Well, not only do we see in 1 Samuel chapter 11 that there's a real enemy with a real threat, but we also see that there is a real savior with a real plan. But before we get to that, I just want to remind you that I can monologue all day long. Man, I, you give me a mic, you give me some people, I can talk. Uh, but I would love to hear from you. So if you want to give me a call at 303-690-3000, I'd love to talk to you. Or you can send in a text message at 720-336-0897. And I'd love to connect with you that way as well. So what we see happen in 1 Samuel chapter 11 is that there's a real enemy with a real threat, but there's also in verses 4 through 10, a real savior with a real plan. And so here's what happens. The people of Jabesh Gilead, they send a delegation out. They send a bunch of uh, uh, people who are messengers to go throughout the, the nation of Israel to see if anybody will come and rescue them. And one of the messengers shows up at Saul's hometown of Gibeah. And he tells the people all the news. And so the people start freaking out and they're crying. And Saul comes in from the field as he's been out plowing. And he's, he asks, what's going on? What's, what's happening? What's what taking place with uh, all these people crying? And he hears the news. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, see if we can get to what Saul does as he hears the news here in a minute. But uh, we have a, a caller on line one. Judah has called in uh, from Brighton with a praise report. Hey, Judah, you're on Calvary Live. Hey, how's it going? I'm well. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Um, I was calling today. I just wanted to give a shout out to the big man upstairs, so to speak, and uh, thank the Lord for some help that he's given my family recently. We called in, oh, a couple of times last month. We were struggling with some financial issues, which I'm sure many people are right now, given the times that we're in. Hmm. And we were struggling to make ends meet. We were really worried about our rent payment. And we were praying and talking to some godly folk and called you guys a couple of times here on the program, and just asking the Lord for providence and um, just to help us help us through that difficult struggle. And literally a day before our rent payment was due, my wife got a significant bonus from her employer. And it's wow. kind of unseasonal, you know, like, it's not Christmas time or anything like that. It was just kind of a random uh, windfall, so to speak. And it just came right when we needed it. And I, I've been telling her and all the you know, advice that we've gotten from, from the program and other folk as well is just trust the Lord, pray, trust the Lord, He will provide. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, we know that, but 
you know, I forget the exact quote, but um, a man comes to Jesus for healing for his son, I believe, and uh, Jesus asks him, you know, if you believe, the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. And we were in a similar boat. Of course, mm-hmm. we trust God and we believe, but we were also a little doubtful and scared, and he just came through in a mighty way. That's amazing. That's so, so, so great. It's, you know, these times where there's this tension, you know, it's this, this uh, thing where you're like, okay, theologically, I believe in you, Lord, but now I have to really, I got to walk through this. I've got to live this thing out and I don't see how you're going to provide. And really, it looks to me like there's no way that this could even happen. And then he does and he comes through. And um, man, what what, a, what an amazing story of just God's providence, God's blessing, you know. And and I think that that with that, I have two really big thoughts. One is I think it's really important in these moments to do what they did in Joshua chapter four and establish a, a stone of remembrance. Now it doesn't have to be a rock, right? But they set right. up monuments and pillars to say God moved when we needed Him in this big way. And it's important for us to do that. Why? Because here's what's going to happen. Some months are going to go by, some years are going to go by, maybe even a decade, and then you're going to forget about this moment. And you're going to need the Lord to come through again. And and if you can look back at what he did in the past, then it'll be much easier to trust him in that moment because you can say, God, he's always come through for me. Remember when he did this? Now we can trust him moving forward in this other way as well. And then the second thought to journal. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I think the second thought surrounding that is this. Um, it's one of the traps that I know I've fallen into is God will, uh, he rarely moves in the same way multiple times, you know, that God is, uh, um, you know, he's going to move in, in certain ways. And what, what can happen is we can be tempted to think next time I, I have this sort of problem, I have a financial issue. Okay, Lord, where's the bonus? You know, <laughs> and he may not move that way. He may move in a totally different way. Um, and so, you know, try, trying to fight the urge to compartmentalize God and put him into a box. Absolutely. And those are, uh, those are definitely wonderful points. And um, I'm curious, do you have uh any kind of suggestions for your first point? Um, I, I'm trying to get better about journaling, but it's not something that I do regularly yet. Uh, do you have any other recommendations for um, kind of a way to put a pin in it, so to speak, and to sure. remember to recall that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, journaling is a great way, but like you said with you personally, I've tried probably hundreds of times to journal, and I'm just terrible at it. It's just not my thing. Um, and so... You know, f- having physical things, um, artwork, or taking pictures of things and maybe printing it and putting it, you know, in, in your home, or um, you know, having certain pieces of furniture that are representative of that, or just you know, different things that are physical as well could be a way uh, to to remember that uh, those times as well. Excellent, wonderful advice. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely, Judah. It's great to talk to you today. Thank you for calling back. Yeah, good talking with you. I hope that some of the listeners uh, get some get some good hope from uh, that story. Very cool. Awesome. Thanks, Judah. Take care.
Yeah, you as well. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live, and uh, we would love to talk to you. The number here is 303-690-3000, and the text message is 720-336-0897. Let's go to line two, and Brianna in, I I do not know how to say this, Emmitsburg, Maryland? Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. All right, I took a stab at it and accidentally got it right. You're welcome to the, welcome to the show, Brianna. Thank you. Yeah, what's going on um, with you? I was wondering how you know which denomination of Christianity is the right one to choose, and um, at that point, also, how do you know which way to give your child to God, whether it be a baptism or a christening or a um, dedication yeah great question well you know to the first part how do you know which denomination is right well it's obviously mine (laughs) isn't that what everybody says (laughs) right you know um so i guess here's what i here's what i'd say about denominations generally speaking now this is just generally speaking um denominations are sort of like flavors of ice cream people just have preferences and there's, you know, there's the preference. Some people, they really like to uh, sing with a piano and an organ, and that's the only way they're going to do it. And so they have a whole section of churches that are sort of along those lines. And then there's others that are like, hey, you know what? You know, we'll use lights and we'll use lasers and we'll use projectors and we'll use guitars and drums and, <laughs> you know, all, whatever. And so they're on yeah. that side of things, you know. So a lot of the denominational uh, lines are drawn around superficial things that, that really, at the end of the day, they really don't matter. Uh, there are some distinctions that are, I think, important, and that's because they're biblical distinctions. You know, stuff like, <clears throat> should I wear a suit to church? I mean, there's just no biblical direction for that. Um, And so if you like to wear a suit, go ahead. Um, Maybe you'll go to a church where the pastor preaches in shorts and flip-flops. Like, it it really doesn't matter. Um, And so there's there's no scripture to support that. But there are things like what you brought up, the idea of uh, baptizing your child. Here's what I would say. There is absolutely zero theological reason for us to baptize children. Um, the okay. only reason to baptize somebody is because they have made a profession of faith and they have, they have understood the gospel message and chosen to follow the Lord. Baptism comes after that. Um, okay. And so w- within like a Catholic uh, tradition, the idea of baptism, baptizing your, ch- your child, it's like a guarantee ticket to heaven. That's just nowhere in the Bible. There's, there's no... There's not even a hint at a theological concept that would even sort of support that. Um, it's oh. just, it's a religious thing that people do to make themselves feel better. Um, uh, so okay. what, what we do uh, for, within our tradition uh, of, of Calvary chapels, I think most Calvary chapels use something similar to this. We would do something like a, a child dedication, and that would come out of First Samuel chapter 1, where Hannah dedicates Samuel to the Lord. And really what that has to do with, it's more of the parents saying, we are dedicating ourselves to raising our children in the ways of the Lord. Doesn't guarantee that your kids are going to be saved. Doesn't guarantee that they're going to be good people. It's just a a public declaration saying we want to honor the Lord with our parenting, and so we want to dedicate our kids to the Lord. 
Um, personally, all okay. of my children were baptized. I have four daughters. They were all baptized at around seven years old. And, um, you know, they, because we're, I'm a pastor, they're always around that, that, that kind of thing. Uh, they right. actually had expressed wanting to be baptized earlier. And so I'd ask them, why do you want to be baptized? And I remember a couple of my daughters saying, well, I just want to go in the pool with you. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> we can swim later. <laughs> you know, this yeah. isn't that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so it wasn't until they were able to understand the gospel and explain it to me and then tell me why they wanted to be baptized. Uh, and they had a actual, an actual theological backing to it that I was able to right. do that. Well, so, and so what did that mean? Well, that meant that I taught my kids. I taught them what baptism is and I taught them why it matters. Um, and so that's, that's what we looked for. So, uh, so I would say denominationally, it, it really, it's not a big deal. But what I would say is that there are a number of denominations that deny that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. And I would say, do not ever go to one of those churches. I would say they have denied the Lord. And as Revelation describes, Jesus says, I'm going to remove the candlestick from them. That's what's taking place. Yeah. Wow. I was just always so confused about it because my great-grandmother was Catholic. Yeah. And my mom baptized my brother, but never had baptized me or anything of that hmm. sort. Um, but growing up, I went to a Calvary church, so I, okay. I never really knew which one was the right option. <laughs> sure. Yeah, there's, so and there's just so, so many different concepts surrounding it all, you know. Um, you know, and the thing is, like, I understand why Catholic parents would want to baptize their kids. But here's the thing. Uh, baptizing a child in the Catholic Church speaks more of the parent's faith than it does the child's faith. Right. And so it's yeah. the child can't even express faith at that time. Um, but uh, baptism, it's really something that you do because you're saved. Here's a, a, a verse just to kind of help you with that. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is being crucified, and there's two thieves being crucified with him. And one of them says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' response to him was, oh man, I wish we had some water. No, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Baptism wasn't required for that man's salvation. All right, God bless you. It was great to talk to you today. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, thanks for listening to Calvary Live. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.